Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> Sorry we're late. Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. COVID Jamie. Happy 2022! <laughs> yes, COVID Jamie. Sorry, this this voice is going to be altered and not sounding great. Just for a little but while. That's what I get. For being a for dumb going bitch. out. <laughs> and being an idiot. It's okay, anyway. we're vaccinated. We are. You said this was a true crime podcast though, right? Oh, I did, yes. So does that mean like if I'm easily triggered by gory details, you should probably stop listening? Probably. Uh, mine's pretty gory. I mean, it's there's blood. It's true crime. Yeah. It's I mean, murder. This is called bloodbath. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it it's in the title. The trigger warning comes with the title. <laughs> it's right there. So. With our brand new logo, too. Well, okay, no, not brand new. Updated. Logo. updated <laughs> way less red white and blue which is what we wanted and that good old orange and blue mm. chef's kiss sweet <laughs> color combo bro bro all right well like we said we're gonna try to actually do two cases each time every once in a while there might be a single especially if it's like a really long one but going forward most of them will be doubles go go first. hell yeah well, yeah, I definitely do. Okay. <laughs> Good uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It's time for the show. And we're back. So... Let's take a trip, all right? Shall we? Uh, this uh, this case is courtesy of one of our listeners, good old Maddie oh. Cooper down in Australia. Oh, fun <laughs> Australia! Okay, no, it's don't. terrible. <laughs> don't fire me. <laughs> so let's go on a trip to uh, the Belanglo State Forest. Okay, okay. I yeah. like forests. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna like this one. No, no. <laughs> yeah, this is the state forest where several backpackers had gone missing. Oh, okay. So, moral of the story: don't bring a backpack. And I, I guess okay. not. Or you know, don't hitchhike, which we know. Okay. Also, yeah, dumb. Let's let's get into it. On September nineteenth, nineteen ninety-two, two runners came across a concealed corpse. Dun dun dun. Oh no! We getting right into it. <laughs> it's not a mannequin. <laughs> it's never a mannequin, except for when it is. Which is usually always. As I stare at the mannequin in the corner of my room. You're broken. Hey, You're broken and weird and... My husband's broken and I just got used to him, okay? I, I wasn't going him. anywhere. I tried multiple times. Even when we moved, I was like, get it. And he's like, no. <laughs> if you just threw it in the dumpster, no one would notice. He would. He'd be like, where the fuck is Frederick? Because his name is Frederick. <laughs> I don't trust you. Anyway, all right. So 1992, they came across a concealed corpse. The next day, about 98 feet from that body... Another body was found. Oh, my God. And dental records so revealed. So it wasn't there before. No, it was. It was just, it was. They just underneath, like, it. some branches and leaves. Okay. They just didn't okay. see it. The person's coming back, but no. Yeah. Okay. You would think. Well, I mean, just wait. <laughs> There's more. There's so much more. <laughs> so the dental records revealed that the bodies belonged to Caroline Clark, who's 21, and Joanne Walters, who's 22. And they were last seen in King's Cross on April 18th, 1992. Caroline had been stabbed in the chest and shot in the head several times. 
Joanne Walters was gagged and shot in the head several times as well. Both of the women showed signs of being sexually assaulted. No. Yeah. October 1993, there was a man in the Belanglo forest looking for firewood, and he discovered a set of bones in a very remote area of the woods. So he brought police back to the scene, and the police found that there were, again, two bodies. And they were identified as James Gibson, who was 19, and Deborah Everest, who was 19. James oh, Gibson. Babies. Yeah, exactly. It's so sad. Mm. James Gibson had been repeatedly stabbed, and Deborah Everest had been slashed in the face and stabbed all over her body. Oh, my God. But James's belongings had previously been found at Galston Gorge, which was about 75 miles north of where he was found, and it had looked like somebody had tossed it out of their car, like out of the window. Just like on the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But 75 miles away from there. Mm-hmm. So that was strange. So they, they were looking for his body, evidence like, on them. there, and they weren't looking mm-hmm. where they found him. Okay. During a police sweep of the forest um, on November 1st, 1993, a skeleton was found in a clearing along a trail. The skeleton was identified as Simone, I'm going to try with this name, okay, Schmidl, who was 21, she was from Germany, and she had been missing since leaving Sydney for Melbourne on January 20th, 1991. The clothes on Simone's body did not belong to her. They did match another of one of the backpackers, though. Anya Habski, who was 20. So Simone's Schmidl was wearing Anya Habski's pants. Yeah. So they know they can connect that. Yes. So they know that this person did both of those, at least. Oh, my God. Simone Schmidl had been stabbed. That's how she died. On November 4th, 1993, Anya Habski and Gabor Nuzbauer were 21 were found on a nearby fire trail in very shallow graves about 160 feet apart from each other anya habskied was nude from the waist down because her pants were with the other person and Mm -hmm. she had been decapitated her head was not at the scene and has not been found escalating yeah gabor nuzbauer had been strangled and then shot in the head five times with the same gun that had killed joanne walters the first body they found connecting all of them yeah that i think that one he just got real messy on or whatever yeah or maybe he got like maybe somebody came across him or like he heard something and got scared yeah the examination of the remains of the victims showed that some of them had been tortured before they died it also showed that the stab wounds that victims had been stabbed through their spine so as to have been rendered helpless and paralyzed like on purpose yes purposely paralyzed like stabbed through Ooh, the spine. Oh, so medical. Maybe. Possibly. Mm. Or just has Google. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Many of the victims were found partially undressed with their pants buttoned but not zipped. So like you like just put it back together kind of. Like went to the restroom and then you're like, hey, uh, your zipper's down. Just <laughs> kind of kept it there. <laughs> Probably not that. I'm imagining more sexual assault and then pulled the pants up but didn't zip it. Boy, no. But like oh. with the zipper being open, like so the Buttons done, but zippers undone. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that's the, wasn't the taking victims. away from the severity of the moment. Oh, sorry. Just trying to get a clear picture <laughs> in my head. There sorry. You go. Okay. <laughs> yes, buttoned but not zipped. Um, and yes. all of the victims had signs of bondage or strangulation as well. Ooh. So the NSW government Oof, opened a case on the backpack killer. They increased the rewards for anything on the killings to five hundred thousand dollars. And they used link analysis 
analysis to develop the profile on their killer. You might ask, what is link analysis? (laughs) What is link analysis? There you go. (laughs) It's a data analysis technique used to evaluate relationships or connections between nodes. So organizations, people, and transaction. So it's kind of like when girls go FBI on dudes. And they're like, okay, well, he's friends with this person and they go find their tag photos and then they see where they were buying drinks or whatever. It's like that. Oh, it's you. Okay. (laughs) You be finding people. I do be finding people. (laughs) It's the same idea, though. They just, they use connections and links and see like, oh, well, this camera caught them buying this at this store and then then this store works with, you know, I don't know. It's just all the connections. So they use that to bring their list of 230 suspects down to a list of 32 holy shit pretty impressive it's so cool Mm -hmm. i'm watching criminal minds again and i'm just kind (laughs) of seeing it all this done with like hotch and Derek morgan figuring out the the bad guy (laughs) (laughs) he's just doing it he's doing the damn thing he's doing it Derek's just standing over there looking like that Oh, that's great. All right. Well, seeing as most of the victims had been attacked in pairs and killed in different ways and buried separately, a lot of speculation rose that this might be the work of several serial killers. Several serial killers, not just one. Not just one. Stop. Well, on November 13th, 1993, he fucked up. (laughs) Oh, you fucked up. Police received a call from Paul Onions. He was in the UK at the time, and he said that on January 25th, 1990, he had been backpacking in Australia, and while hitchhiking from Liverpool Station towards Mildura, he had accepted a ride south of Casula, sorry, these names are weird, (laughs) from a man who said his name was Bill. Okay, Bill. Yeah, just Bill. Sure. William. (laughs) (laughs) Less than a mile from the Belanglo State Forest, here we are again. This Bill Mm -hmm. character stopped the car and pulled over, pulled out a revolver and some ropes saying, this is a robbery. And Paul Onions was like, uh, what? Like, you're giving me a ride as a hitchhiker. Now you're robbing me. And so, like, as there was like a moment that the guy looked down or whatever, Paul Onions flees. He runs away from him and Bill starts shooting his gun at him. Oh, my God. Just firing willy-nilly out here? Willy-nilly just shooting a gun at him, whatever. And so Paul is running away from the car, and he was able to flag down another driver coming up the road, who's Joanne Barry of Canberra. And she took him to the police. And she had, like, kids in the car, too. Like, Holy shit. She was like, get the fuck away. And he's like, no, this guy's got a gun. Like, help me. And oh, so God. Ju- I feel like, imagine. What would you do if that <laughs> happened? I don't know, because, like, what if it's a it's a ruse? It's if he's the bad guy. Yeah. Like the kids <laughs> who did the familicide, you know, where they, they faked injury. Ted Bundy yeah. faked injury to get people to... Faked injury. Oh That's what I'm God. saying. Like, I just, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. I know what I do. I put him in my trunk. <laughs> yeah. Hop in I trunk. say, yes, I will take you to the cops. But you have to get in the trunk. And if they're actually in fear of their life, what, if they're doing what they're saying, it's... If it's happening, <laughs> they will be like, I don't care. Put me in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, they would. But this guy Problem is solved. actively being shot at. <laughs> okay, that's, that's pretty damning evidence. It is. To let him in the front seat. <laughs> but yeah. 
I'd be like, pop it open, pull it shut, bitch, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the trunk. It's insane. I don't even <laughs> Get in the trunk. Go. Go. <laughs> Jump on top of the car. Pull up to the cop car. You pull up to the cop station, and I'm like, there's a guy in my trunk. There's a person in my in closet. my closet. Because <laughs> he said this is happening, and like, I don't want to die. I listen to the bloodbath. I know what could happen. So I put him in my trunk. No big deal. But he said he's being shot at, and I did hear them. So here you go. Yeah, so. Well, that's, that's fine. Okay, well, uh, they ended up going to the police. He described the man and the car to the police. And in April of 94, so, like, he called them in 93. And mm-hmm. April of 94, they finally found the note with the description that the police had lost. Oh, my God. You have one job. Okay, they probably have multiple. But you had one job in that moment. And also, they know they have a possible multiple serial killers right that's what they think do your job yeah do your job and so that's why he called in 93 because he saw it on the news and he was like okay i gave you a description of the guy that attacked me in belanglo forest so So how about you go put your noggin to use fucking let me do your job for you (laughs) exactly they actually contacted joanne barry and she corroborated the story she said yeah this dude came running at my car yeah and we came into the police station yes well, after this, you know, description that they found, they were finally able to narrow it down to one person. Oh. And here we shit. have the story of Ivan Robert Marco Malat. Oh, God. So many names. Red flag. Red we're flag. Just call him Ivan Malat. <laughs> he was born December 27, 1944, to a poor family of Croatians in Guildford, Australia. He had a violent father, Stephen Malat, and his mother, Margaret Piddleston, always seemed to be pregnant. She had a total of 14 children. No. Two of them died, though, so she had 12 that she raised. Oh, that's so sad, but that's so many. Ten boys. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was insane. Oh, her poor household. <laughs> and Ivan was the fifth child, so he's like middle child syndrome. Oh, that makes sense. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So they grew up pretty poor in a shack house and an obviously crowded shack house. Yeah. The children were enrolled in Catholic school. And after school, the children would get into trouble. Because they all have their best friends with them. They do. At all times. Oh, my God. Well, they were no stranger to holding knives or guns. And they would practice shooting targets in the afternoons, you know, casually. It's like, that can be casual if you keep it casual, though. <laughs> you know? Well, I did not. <laughs> no just, casual. Just don't no. upgrade that and just keep shooting the cans. I don't know. They took the casual and, and made it casualties. Oh. That's what they did. I don't want to give you props for that, but, like, good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anyway. All right. So by the age of 13, Ivan was well known by the authorities. By the age of 17, he had been in juvie for stealing. By 19, he had broken into a local store. And at 20, he was sentenced to 18 months for a little beanie, you know, just a little beanie action. A little okay. break and enter. Mm-hmm. A month after he got out from that 18-month stint, he was arrested for driving a stolen car and sentenced to two years of hard labor. Like, you see a track record here, and I don't think prison is actually, or jail, or prop hard labor i don't think that's doing the job so maybe actually try to help him yeah. maybe bro needs help because then in september of he 1967 
he was sentenced to three years for theft again. Oh, my God. And this is just the tip of the iceberg for this guy. And now he's an adult, though. It's kind of it's kind of too late. It's sad. like for this type of situation, you know, from starting that young and then going on this far. And you just get like a couple years of free housing and food like in the prison, you know, yeah. like and then I'll get out and I can do whatever the fuck I want again. And then I'll come in for a couple years. Like, it'll be fine. I'll just keep getting away with it or just keep getting caught. Who cares? It's not like it's long term stuff. No. Like, <laughs> well, gee, well, after this, we should look up the jail system in Australia because I, know, I don't know where it is. It might be in Canada, but there is one where their jail cells are like little living rooms. Oh, yeah. This one, he has, he ends up getting a TV. And Is it this one? Yeah. Yeah. See? No. Doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Except for when it does. <laughs> Except for when it does. You know? Yeah. There are some places in Australia that do have um, rehabilitation prisons. And Which I totally am here for. And they've but been when proven to work. Yeah. But when you've been going in and out for the last decade of your life, there comes a time where you just got to be like, sorry, dude. You're yeah. staying now. Like, you're, you're not just, going anywhere. You live here now. You That's fucked fine. up. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to allthingsinteresting.com, his older brother, Boris, said that Ivan showed signs of psychopathic behavior at an early age. Oh, scary. Ivan confessed to Boris that he had accidentally shot a taxi driver and had left him paralyzed from the waist down. And an innocent man actually served five years in prison for Ivan's crime. Did he actually do that? Was that actually him? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And he just, oh, my God. How do you accidentally shoot a cab driver? You have to. It was supposed to be a robbery. Okay. I was going to say, cause I was, that's what yeah. I was going towards. So I was like, you don't accidentally shoot a cab driver. Like if you are carrying on you, you have to take out that gun and point it somewhere within in front of you or diagonally to depending on where you're sitting in the back seat. You can't accidentally shoot a cab driver unless you were trying to scare them. Yeah. I only know of one story dumb of bitch. accidental gun shooting. Nobody died, but this guy was drunk and cleaning out his gun, but didn't unload the chamber. Oh, um, no. So it, like, went off, and he was like, whoa, shit, that was scary. The next day, he opened up his fridge, and he's like, why is all this shit not working? He shot his freezer. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he learned a lesson that day. Yeah. Don't clean your <laughs> fucking gun when you're drunk, and always clear your chamber. First one. Well, second. Oh, those are two number one rules. <laughs> <laughs> Both number one. Just yes. all the time. Don't clean your gun drunk and and clear your chamber. That's Always. all together. You know, it's just coming from a veteran. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's not like you know anything. <laughs> so back to Boris and what he was saying about his brother. He said, Ivan was pretty normal up until about 12 or 14. I heard about it from his mates, you know. They'd all boast about how they'd go out at night and do things with machetes. I heard he oh. cut a dog in half with a machete while he <gasps> was growing up. Trigger warning, honey. It was just, it, this is hearsay, but also this guy obviously fucking sucks. And you need to know that. Oh my God. Sorry. We don't, like, we don't do trigger warnings here, but when it comes to animals, ma'am. <laughs> it's pretty bad. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Carry on. Carry on. I mean, it just gets worse, so I'm I'm sorry. Oh, no more animals, right? No, no, no more animals. So we'll clear that. I mean, I'm not. I don't want humans either, but that's what we're kind of here <laughs> we for. See so where your priorities carry on. are. <laughs> Everyone's priority is on the dog. Okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> All, right. All right. So not 19... you, the person that's offended right now. Shut the fuck up. Oh yeah, me. Shut the fuck up. That's fine. <laughs> 
1971, when Ivan was 26, he abducted two female backpackers, and he raped one of them, and, mm. like, pulled up to a, sta- a gas station to get some fizzy drinks for them. Oh, fuck off. But they ended up running away, because they're not fucking oh, stupid. Oh, good job. Yeah. Because I think, I think they were on Valium at the time. I, I read, I remember reading that. So they were, like... Like, they were choosing to be, or he drugged them? I don't know. The article okay. didn't say, but... They were, like, asleep in the back seat, and then he, like, tied them up and, like, raped one of mm-hmm. them, and then went to the store to try to buy them drinks, like, just, like, a soda. I'm a nice guy. I know I did this thing, but, like, then I went and got them drinks. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off. So they ran away. Good. Did they tell the cops? Yes. So he, okay. he, was, uh, he was arrested, and while waiting for his trial, he was actually involved in a bunch of different robberies. He ended up faking a suicide, and he fled to New Zealand for oh a year. God. Oh, shit. Like... Definitely tried to get away. Um, he faked his death? He did. He faked a suicide. Which is faking a death, right? Yeah. Or, But, okay. like, not like okay. somebody killed him or he died from natural causes. He just did, yeah, like, a suicide note and, then, like, yeeted. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to start a new life, I guess that's the way to go. Yeah. Just blame yourself. I guess. <laughs> if you, I mean, he doesn't have friends, it sounds like. So, I mean, true, what you just said. But... <laughs> Yeah. So people want to go looking for him, really. Well, so. they did. Oh. He was rearrested in 74. <laughs> and um, due to his attorney being a total piece of shit, and I'm only saying that because he was the like family lawyer for this family. Oh, God. He knew what he was, what the family was doing and decided to make money off of it anyway. Whatever. But because mm-hmm. his attorney was a piece of shit, fucking Ivan was acquitted of the rape. Wow. Yeah. Fucking. And because... Because the girl on the stand was emotional. Oh, that just, shit pisses me off so bad. Like, how fucking upsetting is that? That's a normal thing for, like, people, too. Yeah. Because they get told, like, when you go on stand, don't cry. Because nobody's going to take like, you seriously, apparently. Seriously. Like, I was fucking kidnapped and raped. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah, I'm a fucking <laughs> cry. Are you kidding me? Oh, I would be... I would. I would want the person to like tell me that in the beginning so then i would just be fucking angry yeah like yeah yeah okay watch yourself, watch yourself. <laughs> are you threatening me no unless you feel like i am <laughs> no that's on yes. you does a boot fit but no but yes <laughs> all right so the, this guy is most definitely but not really i can only assume but like he has some kind of god complex at this point yeah he's gotten away with paralyzing a taxi driver and raping two women and being acquitted yeah. and some of the guys serving his time now he literally went into court and got away with it he did. he's the god complex is heading straight to sky daddy so you know exactly where this is going oh yes so and i don't want it he got a job in 1975 as a truck driver and worked for the roads and traffic authority meaning he was driving the roads in australia back and forth all the time all hmm. the time easy access and hitchhikers he raped yep. two more women in 77 and was never charged Fun. Like, why couldn't you just go watch Star Wars? That came out in 77. Why do you have to go do that? I don't know. Whatever. Is he a dick? <laughs> Truly. In 1984, he actually ended up marrying someone. She Ew. was 15 years younger than him, and she was pregnant with his cousin's kid at the time that they met. That's... <laughs> that sounds like a TLC show. Sounds like... <laughs> Waiting next. to happen. Yeah, it was... So That's TLC's way into getting into true crime. They're, like, following this family, and then the next season, the drama is that 
he's a serial killer. Yay. Whoa. But he actually We're ended like, up like fuck? loving Jason, the kid, as, like as his own. Okay. Ted Bundy also worked for a suicide hotline. Get fucked. <laughs> he also was Go very on. good to his chick's kid. Too, to Molly. So, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> they ended up having a child of their own as well. And uh, let me tell you, he really cozied up, cozied up to his in-laws. Uh, just kidding. He burned down their home when the marriage immediately what? failed. Yeah. When they, the divorce went through, he went and burned down his fucking in-laws house. Holy shit. <laughs> He's not cool. This dude sucks. Whoa. I did not expect that. Yeah. I thought he was like, you know, he's being a good so-called dad and comes it up to his in-laws. No, he burned their house down. Mm -hmm. Because of a divorce. Throw this guy away. And this was all like prior to the people going missing. Like the year that he got divorced is the year that people started going missing. And that poor girl, he probably like spun such a narrative to her of him being a good guy and he probably was a good guy to her at first you Mm -hmm. know to get her in because evidently a divorce caused something and evidently from him burning down their house it wasn't his idea (laughs) yeah he obviously was not happy with it so many victims yeah well since they narrowed it down to this guy they began surveillance of the millat house on february 26 1994 they learned that Ivan had recently sold his silver Nissan Patrol after the discovery of both Clark and Walters, and that had gone public. He was like, oh shit, I'm going to sell my car. You got to get rid of the, the evidence. Okay. Ivan Milot had not been working on any of the days that the attacks happened, and his acquaintances mm. told police that he was obsessed with weapons. Not friends. They said acquaintances. Like, that was a very specific word they used. But, yes. <laughs> so Paul Onions, the guy who... he tried to rob and ran away yeah he flew out to australia to help with the investigation and he was able to po- positively identify ivan Milot as the man who attempted to murder him good job paul yes. thank you paul paul onions yes ivan Milot was arrested on may 22nd 94 on robbery and weapon charges while searching his house police found a 22 anschutz model rifle a 22 ruger rifle a browning pistol, and a bowie knife that matched the types of weapons used in the murders. Oh, shit. They also found several items that belonged to the victims. And when I mean several, I mean, I, like, I had to stop reading because it was just a fucking laundry list. Uh, like, there was a tent in the garage. There was somebody's postcard. And then they went to search the other Milot family homes, like his brothers and mm-hmm. stuff. And some of the victim stuff was at their homes, too. So there's more victims, or my theory is maybe people were, like, camping out, and he would just steal their shit, possibly. Maybe. I mean, they were all hitchhikers, so they all had, like, a bunch of, like, literally, there was a headband in his, like, in a tarp in the garage that was matching the headband that he used to gag one of the girls. What the fuck? But, like, the amount of stuff that they found in his house alone. Yeah. Just. Like, he's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. You caught. <laughs> Definitely. Well, he was convicted of seven counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, one count of false imprisonment, imprisonment, and one count of robbery. <laughs> the trial opened at the Supreme Court of New South Wales on 26th of March, 1996, and was prosecuted by Mark Tedeschi. His defense argued that, in spite of the evidence, there was no non-circumstantial proof Malat was guilty and attempted to shift the blame to other members of his family, especially his brother what? Richard. 145 witnesses took the stand. 
including members of his family. Oh, shit. Yeah. On June 18th. Oh, shit. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> on June 18th, Malat even gave evidence himself, which was, he was trying to provide an alibi for himself or whatever. On July 27th, 96, after 18 weeks of testimony, a jury found Malat guilty of the murders. Oh, thank God. 18 fucking weeks, though. Yeah. That's a long trial. They were, that's a long, and the longer it goes, the more you're like, oh, I might get away with this. Yeah. Which is scary. That's a lot of evidence to bring forth, though. My God. Yeah, that's true. They had to look through a lot of it. But, like, you can't have all of that evidence for all of these missing people and not be a part of it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It just, it's, there's more that That's not a sense. coincidence. Well, he was given a life sentence on each count without the possibility Finally. of parole. For the attempted murder, false imprisonment, and robbery of Paul Onions, he received six years for each of those in jail. So Yay! He got his justice! He's got six life sentences and then 18 extra years. You know, plus 18. So fuck this life. Fuck plus your next life. Fuck, fuck your next, next life, life. Fuck your next life. And on and on and on. Bye. <laughs> his first day of incarceration. I feel so bad. He was beaten by another inmate. Oh no, you poor thing. You raped people, you poor thing. Yeah, so sad. So sad that a year later, he even made an escape attempt. Didn't work. Oh, he didn't want to be there anymore? (laughs) Oh, no. So then he was transferred to maximum security. And he tried to make appeal after appeal after appeal. I got tired (laughs) of reading about his appeals because they all got denied. Yeah. Nobody. They were like, no. The judge just sees his name and he's like, no. (laughs) But wait. Oh, God. There's more. He cut off his little finger. What? With a plastic fucking knife, and he was intending on mailing it to the High Court of Australia in order to force an appeal. How? Why? Like, that would fucking work. My own finger. My own finger? What? That makes, that makes no sense. Like, it, the dumbest fucking thing. And, and his family said he was the smartest of the kids. Oh, no. So. <laughs> I don't know. And then the other kids heard that, and they started, like, opening up them books. And now they're super smart, because they're like, no, nay, nay. <laughs> I wish that was true. Oh, no. I really do. But um, a lot of his family remained silent on this whole thing, so. And I have a theory as to why, which we'll get to. Anyway. Okay. I was going to say, um, I'd like to know this. <laughs> so um, Ivan himself had a history of self-harm. Um, he swallowed razor blades. What? And staples. And anything that is else. A whole metal. Different level of self harm. You swallow ra- razor blades. <sighs> because of what he did and because of what we know he did, just kill yourself, dude. Yeah. Get it over with. Save other people. Get fucked. Yeah. Oh my God. He then went on a nine-day hunger strike. And let me tell you why. <laughs> he did this because he wanted a PlayStation in his room. Oh, my God. Yeah, homie wanted a no. PlayStation. So he went on a nine-day I hunger strike. I want a PlayStation, so I'm going to go hungry. He didn't get his way, did he? No. Okay. They laughed. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, okay. They're good. <laughs> well, in May of 2019... He was transferred to Prince of Wales Hospital and was diagnosed with terminal esophageal cancer. Maybe if you don't swallow razor blades, that won't happen. Maybe. Just maybe. You fucked your throat. You did. 
literally, <laughs> with razor blades. Ooh. On a razor blade throat. Razor blade throat. I got razor blade eyelashes. Wait, what was it? Eyelids and razor blade. Oh, that's hard to say. <laughs> throat. Razor blade throat. <laughs> razor blade throat. <laughs> On October 27th, 2019, Ivan Malat died of esophagus and stomach cancer at 4.07 a.m. He was 74 Yay. years old. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye. Before passing, he did write a letter to his family requesting that his funeral be paid for by the New South Wales government. This was denied. Okay, good. He was cremated, no. and the costs were mm-hmm. taken out of his personal prison account. Fuck you, yes. Ivan Malat. <laughs> But wait, there's more. No. <laughs> the story just gets worse, even after he's what? dead somehow. What? So the mo- whole Malat family has a ton of problems. Especially okay. Ivan Malat's nephew, Matthew Muleman, who legally changed his name to Matthew Malat to idolize his uncle. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Get better role models to quote Bailey Sarian. Well... He didn't, and on November 10th, 2010, Matthew, at the age of 18, and his friend Cohen Klein, at the age of 19, lured their 17-year-old friend David Octorloni into the Belanglo State Forest, you know, where his uncle where murdered he a was. bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It was David's birthday. He just turned 17, and his friends had promised it. Friends, I say in quotes. Yeah. Had promised him a day of drinking and smoking weed. He arrives to the forest. And Matthew decided to hit him over the head with a two-headed axe. Oh, my God. And what's his friend Cohen doing? His friend Cohen Klein is recording the whole thing on the phone. No. The whole 15-minute in- incident. And this video was played in court. Oh, no. Those poor juries. <gasps> so Matthew was tormenting David verbally. You know, saying, like, you're going to put my business out there. You're fucking con- like smashing him over the head with the yeah. axe and, like, beating him to the ground over and over. They oh then put a f- couple of leaves and branches on him and then went back to the car where their third friend, Chase Day, was waiting and drove back to Bargo. What the fuck? Did their other friend know what was happening? Yes. Oh, my God. How do you find people that's okay with that? I don't know. Well, I guess in this circumstance, they kind of found, they probably found him because they know who his uncle is. They're probably having the same thoughts, you mm-hmm. know? And they become friends, and then they find out that, like, he also has the same thoughts, and then there's another fucking... Wait, is that the multiple serial killer I have theory? No, it's not. So when Matthew got home from this incident, he told his father mm-hmm. everything he had done. He just, like, cracked immediately. What the fuck? So he and Cohen were charged the next day with David's murder. And Matthew is quoted as saying, You know me. You know my family. You know the last name Malat." I did what they do. Ew, get down off that horse, sir. So my whole thing is that I think that maybe Ivan did have an accomplice because there were two bodies most of the time. It was usually two people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to incapacitate two people. I mean, the Zodiac killer did it. He was a couple killer. I mean, if you have a gun. Yeah, and he did have guns. It's really easy. So he could have done it. But I see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Or like even if there was just a couple of times that he took this kid with him. Or took this kid's dad, one of his brothers, you know? Yeah. It's like somebody. Or something like that. Or actually this is his sister's kid. But I'm just thinking like 
the whole family's got something to hide because a lot of them mm-hmm. were silent. Only like two of his brothers ever got interviewed and said anything ill about Ivan. That's suspicious. And the rest of the family was silent. And the Either whole they're family... involved or they're scared. Yes. And the whole family likes guns, knives. They were all That's beat right. by Stephen. They, they, they were... I think that there are... There's more to the story. Mm-hmm. But Matthew... That we'll never actually know. We won't. We won't. Which is so sad. Um, Matthew, though, is apparently doing very well in prison. He's super popular. And he uses his oh status as a murderer to gain privileges from not only the inmates, but the guards, too. You're not cool, dude. Wait, the guards are cool with him? Mm-hmm. That's just... It's, Stop being so nice. I don't know. But Come to America. Get spiced up a little bit. And then go back. <laughs> he's eligible for parole in 2040. So mm. make sure we no. write our letters. Get this guy yeah. fucking fucked. Let's go visit P. Sherman for Tuolbe Way, Sydney and write us some letters. Yeah. I think that'd be a great time. Definitely. Yeah. So there you have it. That's the story of the Malats. A story just with... just going. Oh, wait, there's more. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Australia's stop. famous serial killer. Wow. Good job. Who who recommended that one? Maddie Cooper. Maddie Cooper. We yep. call him Cooper. Good job. Thanks, Cooper. Um, <laughs> do you want to hear a creepy fact yes it's not really creepy it's actually kind of cool so <laughs> we're gonna get into it bees are able to detect bombs with their tongues bees yes so like you know like law enforcement bees. has dogs that sniff out explosives yeah. bees can associate the scent with receiving food as a reward so the bees handler will see it's like it's called a proboscis if that <laughs> touches like reaches out that means that they've got a bomb what? So, you, so you could use bees to go and like, what are those called? Like, the, when you're walking across the field and there's like bombs in some places. Line oh, landmines. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why I lost to. that word. You could just. I love bees. They're so fuzzy and cute, <laughs> and they can detect bombs. Good job, bees. Plant some fucking flowers, people. We need them. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's get into my case let's do it and i'm gonna but you'll have your i'm gonna try to make commentary but i'm losing my voice so thanks covid (laughs) it's okay covid all right so my case today is a i feel like it's a slightly well-known case but i do know a lot of people who don't know it including yourself so let's get into it we are covering jennifer pan pan dun 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 So Han Pan was born and grew up in Vietnam and then immigrated to Canada in 1979 as a political refugee. His wife, Bic, also immigrated to Canada as a refugee, but I'm not like quite sure if they were already together and migrated over there together or if they just met one another in Canada. But either way, they ended up getting married in Toronto and lived in Scarborough, Scarborough. Nice. I feel like that's like a Canada place we hear about a lot. <laughs> they, it is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had two kids, a daughter, Jennifer, born in 1986, and son, Felix, a few years later in 1989. The kids' parents were very hardworking. Borderline, as we'll get in later, like kind of abusy. Not like physically abusive, but just like was putting so much on their shoulders, which doesn't condone what happens, but... 
Okay. <laughs> it is something okay. to take in. <laughs> Wanting to be sure that they could give their kids a life that they were not able to have being where they came from. They were like, we're going to work hard. They're going to work hard. Everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Han worked at Magna International, which is a Canadian mobility mo- mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Oh, my God. Mobility technology company for automakers and BIC made car parks. <laughs> Parts. <laughs> she got through the sentence, everybody. Yay. She did it. Yay. I'm sorry. It's the first one back. Okay. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. By 2004, their hard work had paid off and they were able to buy a rather large home with a two-car garage in a nice part in the residential city of Markham. Bick got a Lexus ES300 and Han... Her dad, so her dad is Han, mom is Bic, mm-hmm. uh, drove a Mercedes-Benz class. So it's safe to say they were they were doing really well. So because of this lifestyle, they were making and working hard for what they had. They had high expectations of their kids. Jennifer started taking piano lessons when she was four years old, which like awesome. And she was also put into figure skating. During training one day, though, she tore a ligament in her knee, which ended up completely taking away figure skating completely she was not able to do it anymore she started playing the flute in her school's band since she was no longer no longer figure skating her parents were pretty strict they did not allow her to date while in high school or even after high school and would not let her go to school dances or really do anything outside of what her regimen of piano then ice skating now flute she wasn't allowed to have a social life it's really sad yeah by 22 she was still at home and still had never gone to a club, supposedly never drank, or been out for vacation that didn't involve her parents. Oh my god. Yeah. A few friends of hers said that her life was restrictive and greatly oppressive. And this is her friends saying this after they know what happened. And they're still like, we don't condone it, but (laughs) it 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 was a lot on her. Okay. So in grade school, she was a really good student. But in high school, she was getting mostly C's, except in music. She was really good at music. So how she was able to not be in trouble with getting C's from her overbearing parents was she would do the good old forging of report cards, just like that. All A's. <laughs> would you look she at failed that? calculus. Yeah. She failed calculus in the 12th grade and ultimately did not graduate. But she faked a diploma. What? Because they didn't she didn't ask about a that. graduation? I don't know. Maybe they didn't want her go into that because there was people there. I don't know. (laughs) Like, Because she flunked out of high school, she was not able to go to her early admission to college. That was rescinded from her. So she had gotten that. And then they were Mm -hmm. like, hmm, nay, nay. (laughs) (laughs) So because she knows how her parents would react, she just kept on lying. She told her parents that she won a scholarship and that she was accepted into the pharmacology. Pharmacology, right? Mm Mm-hmm program at the university of toronto she went to the full extent of even purchasing secondhand textbooks and would watch like videos on youtube and whatnot about pharmacology she would fill out notebooks full of notes as if she was like in classes for them so that she could show her parents her notebooks that were legit notes on this subject she was doing the work so maybe just get your fucking ged and then go do this you dumb bitch you guys will forgive me. Keep 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 going. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you're you're doing the work already. You're doing the work. But 
It's like, it's I like, like when I somebody s- tells you to do the dishes and you were going to do the dishes. And you're going to do the No, I don't want to do the dishes. I was going to say, it's even like, you can call me a dumb bitch too. All the work and time that I put into makeup, but I've never gone to school to get my actual license in makeup. Yeah. You dumb bitch. Just go do the work. And she has parents though to put her through college. They would, but they are overbearing and as we'll hear later, I have a lot of interrogation footage that we're actually going to hear from this. Even the detectives, like, he says, what you went through, I would classify as, as abuse. So it's it's like the little, it's the scale situation, you know? Yeah. So during this time, her parents think she's doing really well in school, and she convinced her parents to allow her to stay at her friend's house that lives near the campus during the week so that she could get to school easier. What they didn't know along with a lot of things, but specifically that this friend was her boyfriend, Daniel Wong, who she had met in high school. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, she has to hide the boyfriend, so I I get that. Daniel was working at a pizza restaurant and ended up having to leave their high school and go to another one because of his low grades. So she's not picking a good one. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Two peas in a pod, I guess. I, you know. He later studied at York University while dealing some weed on the side. Not mad about that. Like, he got weed. He got pizza. He has wings. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, she's living the life right now. That was my self at 18 years old like <laughs> <laughs> what? Wingstop, weed. Living let's with go <laughs> buffalo wild wings what <laughs> so i like i said i don't condone jennifer lying to her parents so much but we get it we get why she's doing it mm-hmm. so of course the lying is not stopping because now she's fabricated an entire different life than her reality so she has to keep it up she told her parents she got a volunteer job at the hospital for sick children which, Jennifer, honey, leave the fucking kids out of it. Her mom, nothing happens to the kids. I just, okay. I just feel like that's rude to be like, I'm volunteering at Sick Children Hospital. No, you're not. Fuck off. Get fucked. <laughs> She's spicy. Her mom and dad would drive her to the hospital sometimes. But they started growing super suspicious as they started to notice that A, she didn't have a hospital badge. And B, she had... No sort of hospital uniform at all. Yeah. No scrubs, not an inkling of, I'm actually working at this hospital. Like, if you're going to lie, you have to lie well. And I feel like, at this point, she started getting lazy because her lies were just breezing right over. And she was like, fuck it, whatever. Because, like, she did the the textbooks. She went the full nine yards. If she wasn't getting lazy about it, she would have printed out a fake badge and had some sort of clothing if she really was thinking that I, sh- I think she just got dumb i mean she started dumb but dumber <laughs> mm-hmm. so her parents drop her off one day at the hospital and without her knowing her mom followed her in Uh-oh. and quickly discovered that she does not work there that she would get dropped off and then walk out the other side of the door and leave <laughs> her dad wanted to throw her out he was like no nah, man's pissed he's like get her out but mom was like come on like we gotta She's our daughter. We have to help her. And ultimately, they gave her an ultimatum. You stay here under our rules, as they were before, or you leave and you're completely cut off from the family. You're done. Bye-bye. So, Which, she's... I mean, that kind of seems like what she wants is to... You know? I don't know. I don't... It's... In my opinion, because of how overbearing they are, if she was at least doing something good with her life and not just lying left and right, leave. Go get yeah. a real job. You are 22, 24. Like, 
you're a grown fucking woman. Go get your shit together. Get your GED. Get away from your overbearing parents. Like, she doesn't want to be around them. And for what happens to them, she didn't want them around either. Yeah. Just leave. So once she's home, everything's unraveling. They find out she didn't graduate high school. She failed calculus. So the first rule was that she needed to get her GED. Her parents also said she needed to go to college, but they forbid her to contact Daniel. No longer allowed to see Daniel. And it's one thing to force your kids to go to college, but if they're paying for it too, it's like, okay, just do it. Like they're, they're paying for it. Just get some education, you know? But when somebody forces you to go to college and you're like, how? how? Like, are you going to pay for it? And they're like, no. Then it's like, mm. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go then. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Obviously, though, she did not stop seeing Daniel. She, she's going to find out ways to see her mans. But Daniel was kind of like, hey, this is getting really annoying. Like, you're 24. You're still under your control of your parents. You haven't graduated high school. And you've just kind of become like a pathological liar. You know, like, I'm speaking for him, but he's really fucking annoyed with what's going on here. Jennifer found out that he started seeing another woman. Uh -oh. Oh, how dare he? So she calls him one day and tells him that a man had come into her house showed her a police badge so she like let him in and once he was inside the house several more men came rushing in and they all gang raped her what? but wait there's more she also said that a bullet was mailed to her and that this was all orchestrated by his new girlfriend i'm sorry what mm -hmm. no yeah that's mm -hmm. like <laughs> sky daddy please never let this dumb bitch Meet the other dumb bitch named Jody Arias. <laughs> the world will not survive. <laughs> no. It cannot happen. That would be one of those, you know, unfortunate circumstances of two people meeting and then their meeting caused mm -hmm. just mass mayhem. That's just, that's the female toolbox killers. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Thinking. Thank you. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, you're a psycho bitch, too? Let's be best friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. All right. So we're going to fast forward now to November 8th, 2010, where this 911 call comes in. 911, call comes in. Where are you, ma'am? 238. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am, calm down. What's going on? Some people broke into our house. Okay, okay. Yes, and, and I heard gunshots. Shot, they had guns, and they were holding me at gunpoint. 
you hear your mom anywhere downstairs? You think your mom's outside too? Sorry. Do you think your mom is downstairs too, still, or? I don't hear her anymore. Okay, just take a deep breath, okay? Do you know? Do you believe? Do you know that if they know your parents, anything like that, was on your relation to them? Do they? Do they? Call I them don't think so. They just. They just came and tied you up, and. They. They came in and they were like, "Where's all your money? Where's your money? Where's your wallet?" And they. They were asking you for money. Could you call my uncle and my aunt, please? Okay. Don't worry, okay? We have lots of help on the way, okay? What's your name? My name is Jennifer. Jennifer? Okay, Jennifer. You're doing a great job, okay? <laughs> you hear them? Okay, just stay on the phone until you see them, okay? <laughs> Jennifer? Jennifer? Yeah. You're still on the phone, right? Okay. Do you do you see anyone there? Yeah, I hear them. Hello. 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 Okay, Jennifer, they're with you, okay? I don't know. I don't know where my mom is. Jennifer? Yes. They're with you, right? I don't see them yet, I hear them. Okay, you wanna stay on the phone me too, you see them? They're there, okay? Jennifer, I'm gonna hang up, okay? Okay. Okay, take care, okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's get into this. She's a pretty good actress right there, I will say. I'll give her that. Okay. <laughs> so obviously she's the bad guy. Thanks, Ashley. I mean, I've only been really mean to her this entire time. <laughs> I could never keep this suspenseful. In general, <laughs> as much as I want to be like, ooh, who did it? I'm like this dumb bitch. <laughs> so Jennifer was brought to the hospital to make sure she was okay. Once authorities realized that Jennifer was okay and released to leave the hospital, that's where she was brought to the interrogation room to try and find out as much information as possible to find out who did this. Right. She is in no way whatsoever the first time that she's being brought in a suspect. She is being treated as a person who, as we'll find out what happened. Okay? Okay. So... According to her, here's what she says. And then after this, I'm going to have a lot of audio from her actual interrogation. Some of them I might have to, like, scrap if we can't hear it exactly, but I'll repeat a little bit of it. It's just easier to have her accounts of it because there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Three unidentified gunmen broke into the Pan's home late at night. They lined up Jennifer and her parents on their knees slash on the couch. It goes back and forth in the living room and then demanded money. Her mom kept trying to get up and she they would like push her back down. And she says that she told her mom to sit down and just listen to them because she doesn't want her to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. This is one of the moments that I'm going to play right now where the detective is like, hey, what? But he keeps us cool. But this is during this first talk with her where he's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> he's like, are you sure this water is sanitary? Exactly. He kept all the lights Okay. The only time that there was light in the house was when they opened up the fridge to see if they could find her mom's purse. Mm-hmm. Is what she said. Okay. Honey. <laughs> what? What? Very weird. Very weird. And then the second one comes. 
And I want you to tell me if you can pinpoint what specific word in this next part has the detective's ears like, what? And it's like his trigger warning. He's like, I'm trigger warning. Exactly. One of the, the gentlemen asked my father if he had money in his wallet and where his wallet was. So they took me, because I was next to the stairwell, they took me up the stairs to sh- show them where my father's wallet was. But I'm, I didn't know. They had turned the room upside down. I didn't know where his pants were at that time. Did you figure out the word? No. Gentlemen. One of the gentlemen asked me, gentlemen, these people just broke into your home and you're going to call one of these three intruders a gentleman? Also, why are they taking her to go find the dad's wallet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Because at this point, you said they're just on their knees, all of them. Yeah. Downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are they taking her upstairs to go find the dad's wallet? So we we know that they're all lined up because I didn't put in the first beginning of the interrogation. So we know that. But this is her recounting everything now. So we're starting, mm-hmm. like, act like you don't know. I gave you, like, a quick rundown. So we're just going through it again with her, with the detective. Okay. But you're right. Why would they take her and not the dad to go find his wallet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just cannot. So they found $1,100 in the master bedroom. And then they take Jennifer and tie her up to the upstairs banter banister banter wait they her taped, arms hmm? they tape the money to her no they take the money but oh, they, they tie her, her okay. to the banister upstairs like in her bedroom or somewhere mm-hmm. and i'll have footage on our instagram of her showing like how she was tied and everything so make sure to head over to bloodbath podcast here is audio number three Next thing I know, oh, I think I heard my parents going down the stairs, and my mom was asking them for me to come with them. They wouldn't let me come with them. And after they said, the last thing I heard them say was, you lied, you lied to us, you lied to us. And then I heard two pops. My mom screamed. I yelled out for her. And a couple more pops. You can hear like the detective he's playing nice guy mm-hmm. like there's a couple little things but there's not enough for him to be like oh this bitch has nothing to do with it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and like they're trying to treat it as a she's she's a victim because i can't go guns a blazing what'd you do like you just lost your parents so or did she or did she dun, dun, dun. or did she lose them on purpose <laughs> <laughs> right so this one, she's talking to the guy, to the detective, and she starts to realize that what she's saying is like kind of contradicting in a way. And one of my favorite YouTube channels is JCS Psychology. And he goes through the entire interrogation and like tells you about it and like what's happening. And you'll see in the video that twice she like looks up at the detective as she's like telling her story to get like a verbal confirmation or like some type of confirmation from him that he's believing her and she doesn't normally do that 
she kind of just keeps her head down slash doesn't really look at him. But every once in a while when she's saying something, she's like looks up at him to like see, make sure he's still believing or something. It's really, okay. it's really like she's a fucking cold killer. Okay. <laughs> so the, the detectives now are asking her to describe the intruders to them. The only thing I can remember was him was he had dreadlocks. He had dreadlocks. So are you, are, can you describe his race to me? He was black. Did it, was his head covered? Was his face covered? Do you remember anything about that? Just that his dreadlocks were like kind of like flopping all over the place. I couldn't really see his face and they kept the lights dark as much as as much as possible. Except for the Did fridge. Did you see the gun? Oh, I saw the top part of it. What did it look like? Um, kind of, it was black. Yeah. Do you know where the other guys involved in this are? I know one stayed with my parents downstairs. Okay. Um, the other one, I'm not, at that point in time, I was more focused on him, like, he was seeing me and he was coming after me. So you're so saying there's three for sure? That's all. You saw a total of three at one time. You saw three people yes. together. Yes. When I went downstairs, I okay. saw three shadows. I saw three shadows. Okay. okay. <laughs> so now he's gonna ask the detectives, gonna try to figure out a motive for why this might have happened. What, in your opinion, would cause people to target your house to think there was a large quantity of money? I'm not sure. Now you say your mom drives a Lexus. It could be because of the aesthetics, yes. What about your dad? He drives a Mercedes and he loves that baby. Is that right? He drives a Mercedes and he loves that baby. And gives like a little smirk. Okay. Like you're humanizing the people, or at least her dad, that you just murdered. Or tried to murder. We'll see. So. (laughs) Ooh, suspenseful. (laughs) Oh, I'm so suspensed. (laughs) Oh gosh, I wonder, did she kill her parents? They didn't have any more from this slight interrogation, more so just learning from her. And about an hour had, like, gone by and under – she's coming from the hospital. Like, this is right in the same timeline. They're like, we don't want to push her too much, and we don't want her to get suspicious. So we're going to let her go. But they asked her to come back two days later. And they told her it was because they wanted to see if she had – any more information about the intruders so they could catch him there's my crazy men notification (laughs) sorry better remind me to take it after we're done because i will forget i'm not getting up (laughs) it's all good (laughs) so yeah they told her to come back two days later so that they could catch the intruders they wanted more information on the bad guys so that they could find them not trying to insinuate that they're there to like talk to her because they're suspicious they start catching her in lies Oh my god. Jennifer lies? No way. No way. It's so unlike her. She pretty much says the same things as before about her mom going out, going to piano lessons, her talking to her friends on Facebook, they had dinner, and then her mom left to go line dancing as she came home around 9.30. Jennifer's on the phone with her friend and her dad is in another room. She hears her mom yell for her dad and then footsteps up the stairs. And here's the audio. Take that first interview that we had which was, you know, hours after what, what had transpired, put it aside. It's almost like we've never spoken before, okay? So we're starting afresh. We're starting from new. That way you're not going to say, I think I already told him that. Don't worry about what you've already told me. 
Very Canada. Boot. We're going to see if we've learned or if you've remembered anything else. And there's some questions with respect to that uh, statement that I'm going to ask you about. Okay, so, but I'm going to let you start again, and, and let's let's move forward from any time in that day where you want to start. If it's the time you woke up, or if it's the time that your first interaction, it's your choice. Okay, I'm just I'm very nervous, and I why don't are you let's why are you why are you nervous? Tell me about why you're nervous. Because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, so because that day was a lot. You're right. And I've been. Scattered, and so bits and pieces are here, and some pieces aren't here, and I'm just... So, I want you to sit back in your chair, okay? Just sit back in your chair. Doesn't sit back. Take a deep breath, okay? Close your eyes. Just follow my line. Just sit back in the chair for a second. Sit back. No, sit back. Relax the best you can. Close your eyes. And just breathe for a minute, Okay? What is she saying? She's calling him by his name to come down. Okay, so give us verbatim. What do you hear her saying? In Vietnamese. She's like, hi, Okay. One more. What does that translate to? Uh, this is my father's name, Han. Uh, come down here. Does she say anything else associated with that? With that? I can't hear clearly because, like, I was on the phone and the TV was on, sure. but that's what I heard. Is she yelling, or is it uh, a normal? It's a loud, it's a, she's not yelling, but it's a loud tone. What? Like, get your shit together. So, they take her downstairs where her parents are now, okay? This is where we are in the re-recollation re- of her first, <laughs> shut up, stop laughing at me, <laughs> of her first interview. Recollection. What? <laughs> Recollection. Thank you. <laughs> Line. <laughs> Which, the way that the detective words it <laughs> is so genius. Which, I mean, he's a detective. So, hopefully, he would be genius to be able to interrogate people. But him saying, like, we're pretending like the first one didn't happen is almost like, to her, oh, whatever I said in the first one doesn't matter. But that's not it. It's he still remembers what you said. He just told you not to think about that so that Yikes. when he's asking the same questions, you're not like, I already answered that. Yeah. Genius. He's trying to build the story and then build the story about yep. you know, the story. And then the story and the story. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go downstairs to where her parents are. So where they're like lined up, right? From where I was standing, my father was sitting on the right and my mother was sitting sitting where on a couch on our couch sitting on the couch are they looking out towards you no their backs are towards me okay and you're now on the ground level are you on the floor or on the sitting sitting on the floor i'm sitting on the floor couch the floor your hands they had tied my hands so let's go let's go back already getting suspicious so this is coming up to one of my like favorite parts of like oh you fucked. You're you're getting caught, honey. Mm. Congratulations. You played you yourself. Played yourself. <laughs> this is the next few audios between this next interactions. Uh, she's starting to dig herself deeper and deeper because uh, 
she did not say this. So she's starting to dig herself deeper and deeper. And now we're going to get into this part. And then the next part is like one of my favorite parts because it's one of the parts where it's like, mm, no, you're getting caught. I'm not sure how much she took out for our our trip. But I can, o- I can only estimate about a few hundred dollars. A few hundred, because at the time, the last time or you told me, you were pretty adamant 1100. about, about $1,100. So I'm curious to know how you came up with that number. I believe it was when we were at the border we, and we stopped at the duty-free my mother was deciding whether to use her U.S. currency or her oh, her U.S. currency or her Canadian currency. So it was at that time you remember hearing $1,100? And that's what, is that the inference you're saying? Is that, because you're pretty solid saying that it was $1,100 that went missing, that was, was taken. And that you saw it when we spoke. And who took it? Who took possession of the money? I'm sorry. It's all right. Okay. So she's, she already said a specific number, and it's like, okay, you were very specific about that, and now you want to try to backtrack on it? And that's where she's kind of, I feel like she's learning that what she said before isn't off the record. It's not just like fucking men in black out of their memory. No. It's... <laughs> Yeah, let me just erase it real quick. No big deal. Like, no, no, no. That's not what's happening here. All right, so let's continue with the interrogation. Let's come back to now. You're being taken to the the banister in the upper. Don't apologize, okay? I'm going to try and ask you questions to try and clarify points, okay? If you don't remember, you don't remember. Okay, so don't. There's no apologizing. The only reason you would apologize to me is if you lied to me. This is what I'll have on Instagram. And how you are against the railing. You don't have to sit down. I just need to see how you work. Okay. So it's getting sparsher now. (laughs) (laughs) So she's going to say, I don't know if this audio is like one of the best ones, but she says, can I just tell you? She doesn't want to get up and do it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You don't have to sit down. I just need to see how you work. Just tell me. The only reason that I'm trying to, uh, I need to do this is that I'm also going to ask you is that it, so take this back to from, take it out of a traumatizing event, which it is, and pu- put yourself into a more clinical position because I want to see how you could physically get your phone out of your waistband. We're obviously going to need to know that. It's very important. So traumatize a wide way. Now put yourself into a, just a state of, I need to man- mechanically show how I can get access to my phone. Okay, because that's obviously very relevant. I, we know you made the phone call, but questions are going to obviously raise is that if my hands are bound and I'm against the railing, how do I talk to a 911 operator? Okay, so clinically, this is now a clinical demonstration. Just stand up, focus in on how you did it. She takes a drink of like the cup that's on the table, but there's nothing in it. That in your waistband as an example. Okay, so take your, so just take your sweat off because this will be a very smooth, very quick thing. It's a one-time demonstration. I'm not going to ask you to repeat it. Okay, so we'll have the video up on how that happened. So let's get into it. He tied my upper arm. Yes. Around the banister. Yes. 
But my hands are bound together. So your hands bound together, and this is the arm that's the, the strings wrapped around against the banister? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now how can you get to the phone? And how do you make the phone call? Okay, so I'm going to explain for people who may be driving or whatever for a second. So put your hands behind your back and cross your wrist over each other, okay? So hands are tied, and then the top part above your elbow is where you're tied to the banister, all right? Mm -hmm. Your cell phone is in your left-hand side pocket. So with your right hand, you're going to grab out your cell phone, and then to the mm-hmm. right, you're going to flip your body to where your cell phone's now to the right of you. But your hands are still tied, but okay. you're able to flip mm-hmm. that that way. And that's where she calls 911. Okay. This is the one, pretty much the one and only time that what she says makes sense. And like JCS says, like, it's either by sheer luck or she's practiced this before, which is okay. scary. 911. Mm-hmm. And do you talk down like that? Yes, I'm yelling at the phone like this. And how can you hear? I turned the volume on max. Yes. So that's exactly the way that you're talking to her against the railing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good enough. Sit down. That, mm-hmm, like, that panicked of, I hope I did this right, but I'm not 100%. Mm-hmm. So now the detectives are going to ask about the, or the detective, which is only a singular one, sorry about the moment that she heard the gunshots and she's gonna fuck up <laughs> okay at this point i started hearing my parents get up and they're moving and my mom's yelling where's my daughter i want my daughter where's my daughter and i'm yelling at mom i'm here here jennifer take a kleenex and just take a minute So when he says take a Kleenex, I paused it there because he later says that that tissue had zero moisture to it. Not a single tear, no snot, no nothing. I'm imagining as him grabbing the tissue after the interview and touching it, but like... (laughs) For a reason. I guess that's a good investigator. It is. There was nothing on it. More power to you. (laughs) That's disgusting. I want to know his thought process of did he like think of that is that like one of his things that he does and then he goes and looks for it later like checks the or tissue. was he just yeah. like cleaning up and then saw the tissue and thought oh i should look at that you know hit us up detective <laughs> we've got questions <laughs> okay so we're now down in the basement they're down in the you know your parents are down in the basement i heard pop and then my mom i heard her squeal yikes was the door closed? I heard my father. He ran up the stairs and all I could hear was moaning. Dad. It's coming Once up. I heard him starting to move. I, that's when I pulled up the phone and I was trying to call 911. No, Mm-mm. it's a lie. Mm-mm. She had yeah. already called 911. And you know that for a fact because here's a little replay of what happened. No. 
you did not call 911 once you heard your dad. You were already on the phone. And as JCS, like, points out, too, for things that we don't know because we're not <laughs> educated in this. Like, he's went to college for this shit, you know? In that moment, you can hear actual fear and actual panic because he's not supposed to be alive. And now mm-hmm. he just ran outside and is screaming for help. Damning. <laughs> so she's digging herself deeper and deeper. And the detective starts to take it another way because now he's like, for sure, he is beelined on her. Like, you are a person in his head, but obviously he's not saying it to her yet. So we ask about her life and they talk about how her parents were really strict and how she lied a bunch and that she just didn't want to be a disappointment to them. Here's a couple of clips from that audio, almost done with the audio, but it just... It adds to the factor. I feel like I love watching things that have actual interrogation. So hopefully you guys are the same. (laughs) What I want to do now is I want to go into your past, okay? And start talking about things that have been going on with you. How did you feel about that? How did you feel about having to lie to your parents? I felt guilty, but every time I tried to bring it up, there was just so much so much expectation did you have any resentment towards him for this i chose what i chose um but in the end i chose my family so that's referring to before like i said that they gave her an ultimatum here or cut off Mm -hmm. like you didn't hear you didn't hear a doorbell you didn't hear a door knock you didn't hear a door kicked in you didn't i was i said i was watching tv on the phone i I don't know how. Okay, so this conversation goes on for like two hours of them talking about her life and just things in general. And then the detective Mm -hmm. eventually brings it back to the night of the murder by asking how the intruders got in. Like you didn't hear, you didn't hear a doorbell. You didn't hear a door knock. You didn't hear a door kicked in. You didn't. I was, I said I was watching TV on the phone. I, I don't know how. Yeah. I, I, I know we went over that back and back and forth. We don't know how. So somehow they got into your house by getting through your mom down on the lower level, right? Because she's the only one who's down she's there. She's the only one down there. So it's very confusing. Generally, random events are not, in most cases, random. There's a rhyme or reason why they've come to your house. But from what you've told me inside the house, the only thing that you hear them saying to you is they're looking for money. They're not looking for a specific quantity of money? No. So you're telling me that you you had no involvement in what happened, meaning not saying how the outcome came, but you you had no involvement in, in any type of illegal activity that would have drawn you or the attention of you to have bad people come to your house looking for large sums of money. She's shaking her head no. You're not involved in this any which way. Shaking head no. Because the question obviously stands, Jennifer, is you're upstairs and they're downstairs. No. Right? So it's a natural concern when why would they leave you alone? Why would they not do the same to you? Yeah, Jennifer. (laughs) 
the detective just being like quiet, like trying to get her to talk. The only thing I could say is he said I cooperated. The but I asked him to take me. The number one guy? The number one guy. You hear, I asked them to take me. Okay. That comes Who's back up. to say this whole mm -hmm. thing isn't a lie? That what you're telling me is a lie? Because if you are lying, it's the most cold-blooded thing that I have ever faced in my life. Ooh, get her. <laughs> Bison. She's just crying with, like, her hand on her chest. Like, how dare you? There is nothing that you've said to me today is a lie. Now, back to another very difficult question. But if I don't ask it, I'm going to be... You, it's an obvious one. The resentment that you had, that you may have had towards your parents for the interference in your relationship and your life and essentially locking you down in your house. At the end of the day, I love my parents and I chose to be with them. No, you chose to have them murdered. And if I wanted to, I could have just left, but I didn't. I wanted to stay with them and take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Different so definitions of take care. Plot that you thought up to oh my God, no. <laughs> no interaction, no belief. No, you didn't have anything to do with this thing at all whatsoever. No. You don't engage in illegal activity? No. I mean, weed was illegal back then. <laughs> it will be a very easy thing to discredit you on, right? We're, we're in the process of trying to add credibility to what you tell us, and that's through the process of asking people and doing whatever. Through that same process, it will be very easy to find the flaws in what you've said, which again then turns the focus back to you. Okay? I don't... It's a natural progress. It's a natural thing that investigators do. We eliminate people or we draw our attention to them. It's a natural a thing it's a it's not brain surgery he's done with her shit <laughs> it's not brain surgery mm -hmm. <laughs> per my last email <laughs> like come on <laughs> <laughs> all right so this detective he leaves for like 20 minutes and just lets her be in the room by herself and mm -hmm. her own thoughts and then finally comes back and he lets her know that she is okay to leave that's but a tactic, she's still nervous by the way. it is it is yeah. this like mm -hmm. the next detective who he's like number one interrogator literally not like not by my standards <laughs> 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 like actually you bring in this guy when shit's gotta get done like when you're fed yeah. up bring in detective bill it is time <laughs> we need answers and they're like calling the big guns <laughs> <laughs> right we're, we're done we're done essentially. How are you feeling? <laughs> Sorry, you should really scare me. Did I? What I scare you about? Sit down. Sit down and, and t take a load off. Tell me how. Tell me how you're feeling, and how I scared you. So this is another tactic that he's gonna do because he's gonna have her reassured that he's on her side, but only if she's innocent. Mm -hmm. So I just want everyone to imagine that you just tried to kill your parents. And now you're in the interrogator room and trying to get away with it. And then after what he says, tell me what you would feel. <laughs> okay. I don't want you walking away from here thinking I'm evil. I want you to walking around from here thinking that 
this guy is helping investigate my mom's murder and he's going to turn over every stone possible to make sure that we catch the people who do that. That's what I want you feeling. So I don't want you walking away from here thinking that I'm a, I'm, I scared you or I'm, I'm a bad man. Sometimes we have to ask very, very difficult questions, but it's my job. Okay? You're our only link. You're it. Until your dad regains his back and being able to be, be, be spoken to. Right now, you're our only link to this case. Yep, that's right. Dad's in an induced coma, but he's alive. Oh, my God. I did have you. Suspense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but she do good. We may rely on you heavily on, until we can speak to your father. Okay? So don't be afraid. If you've told the truth, the last thing you should be afraid of is, is anything. If you've told the truth and you've been truthful through this whole process, then you're helping. You're doing your part. Okay? And don't be afraid of me. I'm just afraid because, you know, like, I know everything is just all pointing negatively right now. And I, I don't understand why. I'm just, I feel that, like, the way you're, you're speaking to me, it's kind of like... I know you said that you had to say those things, but it's yeah. it's here, and I've already said it to the special victims yesterday, but there's, like, ideas in my head, yeah. and I'm afraid to say it out loud, but... Ideas about speculation of what happened, of how it happened? Unfortunately, uh, at times, some of us have to point the finger, seem like we're pointing the finger, and it really is just to provoke you to see what you're going to do, how you're going to respond. Okay, so it's only a question, and it ha it's been answered. And if you've been truthful, okay, you have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing. Okay. <laughs> How would you feel? Well, first of all, I would never kill my parents. Very good, very good. Or Starting off parent. strong. <laughs> yeah, only have one. Um, yeah. Let's see. If... I, for some reason, lost my mind completely and murdered my mom. Mm -hmm. Sorry, mom. I love you. Hypothetical. Um, Hypothetical. It's not going to happen. And I was sitting in the room trying to deny it. And he was like, yeah, I'm only helping you because I want the truth. <laughs> and you're only helping me if you want the truth. I don't. I am. When it's fight or flight, I freeze. Okay. I would right? be frozen in fear, <laughs> unable to speak, bawling my eyes out. Just like. <laughs> I'd be a fucking mess. Like, I would not be able to hold myself together. And I'd just be like, cuff me, dude. I, I fucking deserve like, it. Like, I'm sorry. I did it. Okay. You caught me. <laughs> like, I, I did it. You, you got me. Put me away. Or, you know what? Take your gun out and fucking shoot me right here. That's what you should do. Cause right. A life or a life, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just do this. We don't need to waste the money on the jury and the trial. I, I'm guilty. You hate me. We're good. <laughs> you hate me. <laughs> Because she just wasted all his time, too. He's over here trying to get the truth. Time and, and resources. Time. Yeah. yeah. And he knows. He's already figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has. You can't fucking dupe a detective, a professional detective. That's his job. It's That's literally his job. his job. He's doing his job, okay? <laughs> so she's leaving feeling completely terrified. And because, you know, she knows she, the, the, t the truth is that she's involved in this. Mm -hmm. uh the cops were told that they need to follow her every move and they saw her at her mom's funeral and said she had no emotion whatsoever 
Damn, cold-hearted yep. bitch. And, like, in that interrogation, you heard that her dad was on life support or, like, in an induced coma. And miraculously, mm-hmm. his her dad wakes up. And not only does oh he wake up, he remembers everything. And we're going to get into what happened to him. Okay. On November 16, 2010, he gave the cops the details of what happened that night in secret. They didn't want her knowing that he woke up yet. Or that, or oh, not shit. that he woke up, but that he was uh, remembering. They didn't want, they wanted him to play dumb. Okay. And everything he says contradicts Jennifer. With the number mm-hmm. one most damning thing that he said was that she was never tied up and that she was in fact walking around with the three intruders and speaking to them like friends okay so she knows yep. i didn't realize there was three intruders i thought it there, was all her there's all her yep yes. exactly <laughs> she did not pull the trigger i will say that hmm. he's so he's on the phone one day with her and talking with her and the cops like i said told him not to let her know that he remembers everything but they did ask him if they could if, if he could ask her if she was still seeing daniel okay mm-hmm. okay and of course she says no that's a lie uh <laughs> now cops want a confession from her because of the fact that her dad is suffering from a brain injury his testimony could fall flat in court Oh, shit. So, November 22nd, 2010, Jennifer is asked to come back to the station and get interviewed again by one of the best detectives ever, a.k.a. she's fucked. <laughs> Bringing out the big guns. Bringing them yeah. out. All right. So, let's get... Oh, I hit the mic. Sorry, guys. So, just for the record, it is the uh, 22nd of November, 2010. We're at the uh, five district station in the town of Markham. Uh, my computer right now says 2.39 in the afternoon, okay? Uh, just for the record, my name is Detective William Gates. You can just call me Bill here today. And what do you like to be called? Jen. Jen? Yeah, what do you prefer, Jen or Jennifer? Mm-hmm. Either are? Okay, so Jen, um, you're aware that the um, audio tape and everything's on. Um, it's the same as last time. Okay, you've been here on two other occasions, I understand on the uh, 9th of November, and I believe again on the 11th of November. Is that correct? Okay. And do you know why we're here today? Just to discuss stuff. Just to discuss stuff, she says. And as a result of that home invasion, um, your father... Uh, and Pam was actually shot, and your mother, uh, took, uh, and was actually killed. Is that correct? Yeah, you'll have to speak up a little bit just so I can hear you. Okay, this audio is a little bit worse than the other one, but it's so good. You gotta have it. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're, we're having technical difficulties here. Okay, so that's why they interrupted me. What we're going to do is, if you don't mind holding tight there, I'm just going to move my equipment to the other room, okay? And then I'll come over and we'll move over there next door, okay? I'm just not comfortable being on my own. I'm just not okay, on my right own. here, though. That's what she says. So, okay. the reason why I let that audio in is that this dude, Mr. Detective Bill, just Michael Scotted her. 
where oh my god there's that episode where daryl wants his raise and michael's looking up tactics to make somebody who's like asking for something feel uncomfortable and one of them is moving locations and that's exactly mm-hmm. what they just did to her <laughs> because because what they do in their mind is they make up like this they play the scenario out in their head mm-hmm. of how they're gonna say it and like where they're at yep and so if you change that, then they have to re it, like it, it's like mm-hmm. shit. Oh shit, I gotta redo this. Exactly. Yeah. And I just think that's so funny. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with any of the <laughs> equipment in there. <laughs> so they move to a new room, a much smaller room, a power play. And <laughs> mm-hmm. they talk about her figure skating and about how she got her injury and like if she didn't get her injury, if she would still be like figure skating and whatnot. They talk about piano and just stuff to, like, calm her down to get her nerves and, like, get her off guard, right? Mm-hmm. She talks about how she wants to follow the footsteps her parents wanted her for her and to go into, like, the medical field. And he asks about her relationship with Daniel and about the strictness of her parents when it came to him. If you can pick any job yourself, I'm not talking about anybody else, but if you could pick for yourself, what would it be? So she's like to have a lab technician job for eight hours a day and then come home and teach piano, which is exactly what her parents wanted of her. Yeah, that doesn't sound very uh, what she wants along the lines of what she likes. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, eventually, you were discussing Daniel. What's happened with that relationship? Mm, I hate it for my parents at first. They didn't agree with me having a boyfriend. Okay. She hid it from her parents. They didn't agree with her having a boyfriend because of the fact that he was a mixed race. That he was a mixed race. Okay. And interesting. Told me to talk to him. Okay. And how did that make you feel? Yes. He was the person who just filled an empty void for me. So I felt that a part of me was missing. When you broke up, you felt the part was missing? Is that what you're saying? When, when they first told me to stop seeing him, stop talking to him, I just, I felt like a part of me was missing. Okay. How did they find out? Um, one day when my mother came to pick me up, uh, she saw me and he had dropped me off. Okay, dropped you off? Uh, at Pacific Mall, and my mother was coming to pick me up. Okay, and somehow they saw each other, I guess? Oh, my mother saw me. Thank you. What happened next, then? I tried to bring him home. And my mother at first was like, you know, bring him home, let us meet him. When I brought him home, um, they didn't, they automatically didn't like it for some reason. Okay. And that's when they told me to stop. Okay. So you were told to uh, stop seeing him. So what happened then? At first, I stopped for a while. Um, but like I said, I felt really empty and I felt depression and uh, I started talking to him again. So just in case it's like kind of difficult to hear her side. She's not very good at enunciating here. 
<laughs> she talks about how her parents didn't like him. And she says in the beginning they didn't like him because he's a mixed race. So he's half black. And, mm-hmm. like, okay, assholes, firstly. <laughs> I know they're the victims here, but, like, don't be racist. Uh, and then she says, like, she tried to bring him over to the house to, like, try to give him a chance or something. And then for some reason they didn't like him. All of a sudden she doesn't know why they don't she they don't like him. It's just okay. it's just very contradicting, you know? Yeah. So now they're gonna get into a conversation about how Jennifer was living with Daniel for almost like two years and how his parents really liked her and like that was all peachy over there. But like she wasn't going to college, you know? Mm-hmm. So they go over things more and more, and then we get to the point that she's just, like, really fucked <laughs> with this detective. She already got fucked with the other one, and now she's screwed with this one. <laughs> okay. And when did that happen? Hi. Where did you do? Where did you cut? Right here. It's really hard to hear her. I'm so sorry. Uh, he's asking her about her depression that she said she was in when she wasn't allowed to see Daniel and trigger warning self-harm is about to be talked about. Uh, Animals and and, and self-harm is our trigger warnings, I guess. guess And she's talking about how like she used to cut herself and how like she wanted to die before, which I personally don't think she's lying about that. like from what her life was she probably was Mm -hmm. very depressed and how would she be able to talk to her parents about that you know Mm -hmm. it's a sad situation definitely so how many cuts do you have on you now done it healed okay and did you want to kill yourself She says yes. And then... Straight up to it. Did you ever feel that they expected too much of you? How so? Comparison to other people. Okay. So who would they compare you to? Like, classmates, clubmates, cousins. Okay. And so some of them have been successful recently? Okay. And what did they say to you? So that's pretty hard, right? Hard to take for you? What I've heard all my life. Nothing. Did you ever feel like, I know you're smart and they believe you're very smart, but did you ever feel you weren't as smart as what they thought that you were? Yes. I get that feeling that it's pretty tough to live up to their expectations. Okay, like, your dad ultimately would like to see you be, like, a doctor. Those were pretty high standards for anybody. Not everybody can be a doctor. Okay? And, but they may have acted like you could have done it no problem. Their expectations were so high that few people would be able to reach that expectation. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about anybody. Um... So he's trying to, like, say, did you do this? And I kind of understand why, in a sense. Not, like, actually understand why, but trying to get the motive from her, right? Right. He's smart. (laughs) 
Now, I can tell you that nothing surprises me in this job, okay? I forgot to say. <laughs> they talked about that for like two hours. Like they just went over her life some more and just talked about things willy-nilly. And now we're at this part. Okay. I am well aware that anybody on this earth is capable of making a mistake. Okay? I don't care who they are. I don't care um, if they're a priest. I don't care if they're a school teacher. I don't care what the situation is. Given a certain set of circumstances, everyone has the capability, Jennifer, of making a mistake. Doing the wrong thing. Okay? Um, the key, though, when I talk to people is when they made a mistake, okay, that's one thing, right? The key is to not keep making the same mistake. And to get that information out and get it off your chest. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, from this case, and I can tell you I've spent literally a week on this case, going over information after information, accessing all these sources, speaking to every other expert on the case. And at this point, Jennifer, I know that you've not been truthful with the police. Uh -oh. Okay? You've not told us everything that you know, purposely. You've spent a considerable amount of time in the last seven years telling half-truths. And I can understand why, okay? You've had a tough life. What's happened to you, to me, equates to abuse. And all the stresses that you've had and forced to lie, I can understand why you did it, okay? But you're in another situation here where you're under another tremendous amount of stress. And it doesn't feel good inside, does it? It breaks down the person that you are. Because at the end of the day, you're a good person. I know that. You've got a good heart. In this case, though, you've made mistakes. Okay? And you're involved in this. I know that. Okay? There's no question about it. The only question right now is, are you going to keep making mistakes? Are you going to go on the route that you've gone on over the years and try to pretend that things happen that never happened? Okay, are you going to not face reality here? We know that you're involved. We've done our homework, okay? <laughs> we have to resolve that now here today. I need to know from you what really happened. And I know why this has happened. You have spent your whole life trying to live up to expectations that you can't meet, okay, and that stress the hell out of you. You're a 24-year-old woman being treated like a 15-year-old, okay? What? You've never done anything that terrible in your life, but you're being treated like you have. You're not being treated like the adult that you are. Yes, you made some mistakes, big deal. You're not the first person that has gone out and not told their parents that they're dating a guy because in your culture they don't accept it i understand that i've talked to people in here that have kept that secret for their whole life from their parents okay so that's not abnormal but that puts a lot of stress on you right that's not easy for you is it no 
Now, what we need to get down to here today, Jen, is what really happened. You need to tell me what went on. Because you know who was in that house that night. You, you do, Jen. There's no question about that, okay? So he has flat out said it. We know you're involved in I s- playing the good guy. I understand why you did it. And she's still mm-hmm. just like, no, I don't know. <laughs> and remember, too, along with, like, like he said, he did his homework over the week. He's been following this case. He has the confession from her dad. Right. And she doesn't know that. <laughs> so now she's cornered. And the intruder story isn't necessarily working in her favor so now she's gonna flip it and say that the intruders were not supposed to go after her parents they were supposed to kidnap her and kill her what the fuck yeah that she hired them oh yeah she pays them to kidnap her and kill her and these are the last Mm -hmm. three audios that we have and then the case is wrapping up (laughs) look at me What I do believe is that you went to somebody. And I do believe that night you paid them the $2,000. But what's not true is it was never for you. Okay, Jen, no. Okay, you went to this person and you asked them to do a job. And the job was for your parents. You asked them to do this job on your parents, Jen, okay? Let's be truthful, okay? Nobody's going to come there and get the wrong people. If you wanted to kill yourself, Jen, you're not going to pay somebody $2,000 to do it. I couldn't do it myself. Okay, but there's other ways, okay? And if that was going to happen, they could have taken you outside and done it anywhere. It wouldn't matter, would it? If you really wanted to die, all they would have had to do pull up beside you in a car and shoot you. You made a specific request and the job was for your mom and dad. Okay? Nobody's going to come in there and do the wrong job. Okay? Nobody's going to do that. They came, you paid, and they did what they were supposed to do. And the, and the plan was for your parents. Okay? Jen. You have to be honest with it. This is the only thing that's in contention here, okay? You made the mistake, okay? Everybody understands. Everybody in this police department feels sorry for you. I can tell you that right now, okay? Because they've seen what you're going through. It's so obvious, okay, that all this tension they put out, basically this is like a volcano, all right? And at one point it was just too much and you erupted, okay? And you made a bad decision. Okay? And once you hired this guy, there was no turning back. Now, in the original story, you said that you hid your cell phone. Okay? If it was for you, you wouldn't have hid your cell phone. That would have never happened. So it's in conflict. It's just, I put it there naturally. It's what I naturally did. But you said on tape that you hid it there and that they didn't know about it. That's your language, not mine, Jen. All they wanted was so much success out of you, they were not even looking at you as a person. 
They were looking for a success story. Instead of just saying, whatever Jen wants is what's good for us. Whatever she's happy with. As long as she's happy in her life, I'm happy with it. If she wants to work at Eastside Mario's for the rest of her life, that's fine. If she wants to be a piano teacher, that's great. If she wants to continue figure skating, that's wonderful. Why would somebody shoot someone they didn't have to shoot? I don't know. I can't figure that out. And actually not shoot the person they're supposed to shoot. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Okay. Why didn't you tell us this that night? No. Big question. You're scared. <laughs> scared of what? Telling the truth? Yes. But I wanted to die. Okay, but listen, if you wanted to die, you would tell us everything because it wouldn't matter. Facts. Jen, mm -hmm. if you really wanted to die, you would tell us everything because it doesn't really matter. Right? It does matter because the wrong person got hurt. But my dad's suffering. I appreciate that's what happened in the end, but that's what was supposed to happen. Okay? The good thing about this is your dad did live. And that went against the plan. If you could make this decision over, you would change it. Okay? You would change it. Right? Of course. Because I knew he was going to get hurt. Of course okay. I would. Jen, you knew who was going to get hurt. That's the whole issue here. Okay? That's the whole issue here. You gave them the plan for your parents, right? That's all they need to hear. No. Jen... You did. No, and this is not going to go anywhere because Oof. I wanted them to kill me. Tell me what happened. I told you what happened. Okay. All of it. Okay. okay. All you have to do is here is tell me right now. If Bill, yes, I made a mistake. This plan was for my parents. She just goes completely silent, and then here's the last part of the interrogation. Okay. I need you to listen close to me, okay, Jen? At this point in the investigation, okay, I'm going to be arresting you for murder, okay? Her eyes get also so wide. Murder and right conspiracy there. to commit murder. Do you understand that? Just have to tell me if you understand those charges. Just say yes or no. Yes. Okay. So what we're going to do right now is, do you have your own lawyer? No. No? Okay. Do you have a lawyer you would like to speak to that you know of? No. Okay. Would you like to speak to duty counsel? I just always thought that someone who can help me understand. Okay, so who would that be? I don't know. So do you have a lawyer? You said that you were on my side. You said that you were on my side. side. What would you like to do? I don't have, I don't have any idea what to do. Do you want me to call duty counsel for you? Okay. Okay. Or is there any other lawyer that you would like? Okay. So at this point, you wish to speak to duty counsel then? Sure. Okay. So what I'm going to have to get you to do is actually empty all your pockets on the table here. 
I'm going to make sure that they are making a call to duty council and we'll line that up and you can speak to the duty council in private, okay? All right. She's finally arrested. Yay. About damn time. So the three yeah. men, one of them, as we you probably guessed, is Daniel. No way. No way. Oh, my God. And then two other guys <laughs> that she hired and paid. Like he said, he, she paid him $2,000 to, quote, kidnap and kill her, not <laughs> kill her parents. Because that makes sense. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> The trial began March 19, 2014 for all four of them and lasted 10 fucking months. Oh, my God. You thought your 18 weeks was long? Honey. (laughs) Oh, my God. They all pleaded not guilty to first and second degree murder and attempted murder. Same thing, but whatever. And conspiracy to commit murder. They were able to bring up evidence that included tracking of their cell phones and text messages, which there was over 100 messages between Daniel and Jennifer six hours before the attack. Wow. Just six hours before. There was over 100 messages. They poked the holes in her robbery story and the, quote, I wanted them to kill me story. And then lastly, the judge allowed uh, her father to tell his side of what happened on stand. Oh, shit. Yes, which was completely different. And the thing about that, so he was shot, Jamie, Jamie, he was shot through the eye. Oh, my God. Yep, shot through the eye, and that's when you hear him yelling on the 911 call out in the street, screaming, he's shot in the fucking eye. Oh, my God. If you don't have goosebumps... I do. I do. do. (laughs) Like, absolutely insane. And the fact that they actually let him testify as well, because that is constitutional of a, of a, I don't know if I use that word correctly, but whatever, of a brain injury, you know? Mm -hmm. And he tells his side. And then next thing you know, Jennifer was sentenced to life with no chance of parole for 25 years on first degree murder of her mom and attempted murder on her dad, which like, is it life or parole? Like, Come on. Mm-hmm. Her dad also gave a specific punishment. He got a court order that banned Jennifer from contacting him or any surviving family member within her family. And also well, she, just... She got cut off anyway. Dude, even more. He also <laughs> asked the judge to honor a ban that she can never talk to Daniel again. And the judge said, okay. Wow. Not only can she not talk to anyone in her family, but she's not allowed to, like, write letters to Daniel either while he's in jail, too. He said... Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Just fuck you, dude. (laughs) Just fuck you. And, yeah. That's the story of Jennifer Pan. A horrible, horrible person. I know, right? Like, just, if you have two grand, fucking move out. Move out! Go go somewhere else. That's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, you are... I don't remember if she's 22 or 24 at that time of the case. But, like, you have the money, evidently. Move out and get your shit yeah. together. Even if it's your parents' money that you're, like, stealing from them, fucking steal Whatever. it and run away. Go go somewhere else. You want to be without your parents? Go. You can do that without killing them. Exactly. It's really easy. You just, like, you change your phone you number. You take that leave. money that you had from them and you go get your shit together. And, like, her and Daniel have reconciled at that moment. So... His parents like you as well, and you have a place to stay. Just don't be a shitty fucking person. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you got a good good? What is do I have a good good? Do you have a good good? Besides having uh, <laughs> COVID is not a good good. I know, that's okay. why I was like, wait, that's not a good good. That's a bad bad. <laughs> I mean, the good news is for the next three months I will be immune to it. That's good. So Well, I heard that the you know, new variant supposedly it's easier to catch it again. <laughs> Okay, catch me in three months then. We'll see what happens. But like, do you have a good good? The CDC just be saying shit left and right, so who knows anymore? They do. <laughs> a lot. The last I heard, they said listening to an episode of Bloodbath at least once a day keeps COVID away. That's what I heard. Ooh. I was there. I heard that too. Yeah. We were there, remember? It's crazy true. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You can take my good good because it's our good good. No, you say it. We got new microphones. <laughs> microphones. We got new microphones. <laughs> I got some road <laughs> microphones. They're really heavy yeah. and nice. <laughs> they are. Hopefully the quality is good, even from states apart. But I up? know, right? We're getting back into this. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we got it. We do. Yeah. Definitely. Happy New Year. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, reading more. And I've already been doing really well at that. My first one was Last Kill. And it's about a guy trying to solve cases of like, it's pretty it's homophobic cases. So gay men are being killed and they're trying to figure out why and who's doing it. Really good. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. And then Chase Darkness With Me by Billy Judson. Mm, so good. And it's not just because I love Billy. Okay. Calm down. The book was so good. <laughs> 10 okay. out of 10. Okay. What a nerd over here reading. I know. But only true crime books. I tried reading mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I think. And my brain's just not having it. It wants true crime only. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's yours? So my New Year's resolution, I'm trying to stick to the one-touch rule. I saw this from a dude on TikTok, mm-hmm. um, and it helps declutter your life. Yes. So if you touch something, like, it's it's the same as your uh, put it away, don't put it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you pick up, like, you get home, you take off your jacket or whatever, and you put it on the chair, wrong. Wrong. Like, it's in your hand, put it away, because otherwise it's going to be on the chair, and then you have to go pick it up and put it away at a later time yeah why not just do that now like so when you walk in it's just very yeah, good. exactly save yourself the time later and the energy later you know just put it away the first time love it so, one touch rule mm-hmm. here for that i can get behind that i mean i can it try. works really well <laughs> with the catholic guilt because like <laughs> i'll be sitting there and i'm like i don't want to put this away i'm like you should put that away i'm like ah you're right i should oh, you're right away. sky daddy okay <laughs> <laughs> I just guilt myself into doing so. Yeah. All right. So, well, using it to my advantage. Very good. Good hefty episode mm-hmm. of Bloodbath. <laughs> hefty. We're trying to make up for lost time. I'm so sorry right? I got COVID and then you were out of state. I'm sorry. There was a death in the family. My bad. <laughs> R.I.P. Like, I, no, like, I didn't know if I would should say it or not. But no, yeah. you're fine. It's part okay. of life. It's the circle of life. Yeah. Anyway, oh, oh, and you're done. You're cut off. Till next week. <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever on social media. DM us with any New Year's resolutions because we'd love to hear them. We love reaching out with you guys and hope that 2022 is not is not bad. There we go. No, we're not better. claiming like, it. We're at rock bottom. Yeah. Can it just go up from here? It can only <laughs> go up. Hopefully, nobody claim it. It's fine. It is what it is. We're just casually riding this wave. <laughs> yeah all together like just hanging out talking true crime don't don't poke the bear (laughs) we will not r.i.p betty white oh and bob saget and bob saget
God, fuck you, 2022. Anyway, (laughs) we'll catch you next week. But wait, there's more. Bye, 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 bye